Righto, man, we're back to normal episodes. We're finished with our film fest. We're finally calmed the fuck down. Welcome back to Big Screen Auckland. I'm Nigel. Corey, it's been a while, eh? It has, although this still isn't quite normal because we're challenging our recording while driving technique. We're pushing the envelope, as they call it. New media, bro. Totally. Some rock and rollers like us do. We're recording in the kitchen with a roast in the oven. Now, it's not technically a roast because I've butchered the roast into chops. <laughs> but um, if you can hear any sizzling, shit's going down at 240 degrees about two metres from us. And we've stepped it up, too, from our normal cracking beers open as well. well we're drink on, a fucking Hennessy. We're on the Henny. Cheers, bro. <laughs> Should we drop a little spoiler warning? This week, we're going to talk about Cowboys and Aliens. I've been talking about that for fucking eight months now. However, I wouldn't mind trundling onwards to the Russian... How I ended the summer. So we might cover two. It's not this summer, it's this summer, but two S's next to each other. Comes out as how I ended the summer. Those Russians. Wacky. So if you don't want either of those spoiled, if you don't want to know what happens in how I ended the summer, or or if you don't want to know who wins, the Cowboys or the Aliens... They might never meet up. We'll have a track listing in the information part on your little iTunes Contact details as well, we're professional now. So you can fast forward if you want, but we're about to prattle on and try not to ruin things, but we probably will. The Hennessy and Ice is a celebration because this is yet another one ticked off on Corey's top 10 most anticipated of 2011 list. That's right. You haven't got many left, have you? No, I've got The Thing and Tintin. You've seen eight of your most anticipated. <laughs> with some of these you were thrilled with. Harry Potter, Super 8, totally with you. Yeah. There's been quite a few. Cowboys and Aliens, most anticipated. Yeah, it wasn't the most anticipated. Damn straight it was. I'm but... trying not to look smug here. What made you think it was going to be one of the best of the year? year and how wrong were you <laughs> I, I really just fell into the hype and i hoped it was gonna be fucking awesome john favreau man there's absolutely nothing wrong with iron man good movie it's a damn good movie and i thought cowboys and aliens was gonna be good don't get me wrong i did not like it but um it's not gonna make the top 50 of the year oh that's harsh it was top weird because there was what there's four of us that went into that screening at the vmax beautiful cinema by the way yeah, we're we're awesome, tried yeah. two bucks more to drop half the drop kicks off get a nice seat plenty of room good new screen mm. new cinema anyway there's four of us that went in now Two of us went in going, oh my god, I can't wait. I'm about to wet myself. Yeah, this is the big film. Two of us were like, oh yeah, let's go check it out. Now, it's split exactly like that again. The two who went out going, yeah, yeah, let's, let's check it out, came out going, that was pretty neat. I really enjoyed my time there. The two who went in going, this is going to be the best ever, both came out just going, grumble, grumble, grumble. Why did he have to ruin it? Yeah. <laughs> no, he didn't ruin it. This seems like a perfect example of something that suffered from expectations. Yeah, possibly. I was surprised how serious this thing took itself with a name like Cowboys and Aliens. Yeah. With a concept like Cowboys and Aliens. I know. This thing was dry face. Yeah. I was imagining it was going to be uber trash and so much popcorn fun. You know, Hobo with a Shotgun is not going to have Meryl Street and you know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. I thought this was one of those. It's not that at all. Don't expect that at all. You weren't a huge fan of Hobo with a Shotgun. It's not your favourite. No. Imagine your version for us. What were you hoping for? Cowboys and Aliens. I didn't want it to be trashy but I was hoping it was action-y and in your facey. The opening. I couldn't jump a horse like that. Damn Craig ran and high jumped over took, a horse. Took a dude moment. down. Yeah, that first takedown scene was good actually. He beat someone off camera until blood oh, Until the floor goes yellow. <laughs> it's fine, don't get me wrong. For, what did we pay? 10, 12 bucks? This is the problem with the film. They cast it really well. 
well. And then spend time giving everybody backstories and spend a lot of time working on them. How much backstories do you get in Starship Troopers? How much do you give a fuck about any of those oh, That's people? another good benchmark. Good yeah, call. I was looking for Starship Troopers. I didn't want them to go and meet the Indians. I didn't want it to be any messages coming through. I didn't want spoiled kids. I wanted a bunch of cowboys teaming up with a bunch of other cowboys and fighting a bunch of aliens in a giant cowboys and aliens battle. Instead, we got an hour and a half of trying to be moody western, friendships being tested, Indiana Jones being a bit of a dick. I had a recent conversation with my stepfather, bless his cotton socks. He watched True Grit and loathed it. He said, I'm a huge Western fan, and this is not a Western. This is an abomination. It's an insult to the genre. I think it was in both our top tens. Uh, it's pretty much the world's greatest film, yeah. yeah. I would recommend him this. This is actually not a bad cowboy film. Mm. It's got Indians. It's got big open space shootouts. There's some cabins and stuff. But why um, put aliens in the title if you're not going to... Oh, I thought they were a huge draw card. Yeah, draw card. They didn't appear. They didn't do anything. Flying dragonfly spaceship battles and explosions blowing out of the ground in, like, timed... Oh, a clump of dirt goes flying. How would you have done it? it would would the be... aliens have been bigger? Smaller? More aggressive, maybe? These aliens were quite... Sorry, spoiler alert. Did we already say that? These yeah. aliens weren't very aggressive. They thought of humans as insects. They come here to nick gold and maybe study a couple of humans while they're here, even though they fucking stole like a hundred of them and then sat them in front of a TV so everyone had dune eyes. Pretty much. I kind of thought it was going to take a neat turn when they're like, we can actually attack them because they don't think we're going to attack them. So they're not prepared. Aliens that come here ill-prepared. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, whatever. All of a sudden, they were like, we can't win, we can't win, we can't win. Wait, if we stab him, then shoot him, that works. Yeah. But then that guy jumped off with a knife. That was kind of cool. But like, you only used it once. Mm. If you'd worked out, hey, this is how we do it. If we could spare them with dynamite. Yeah. How would you have done it differently? I think less, I mean, I know it's silly to say let's flying. They're obviously flying to get here, but all the interactions at the start were against the machines. By the time you find one of the people that's in that, I say down boat thing was kind of cool. Yeah. But the aliens themselves, I think we've seen before, straight out of Independence Day, with the heart out of shell and just mean little bastards flying zippy spaceships. Now, see, this is where I prove how ill-equipped I am to talk about this, because I've never seen Independence Day. I hear it's a movie. It wasn't even a movie. It was action. Non-stop action. <laughs> this could have been Independence Day. Tell me, in Independence Day, did the, the aliens open their chests so their arms were next to their heart? Yes. Really? Yes. Really? No, there's a little head inside. That with their heart in between so you can just stab them. Even if you're a nine-year-old boy with a dagger. No, but that was where their head was. I suppose you could. Yes, they do. It's open and they shoot that alien in the head. Wow. Inside, unprotected head once it's opened. So I was like, wow, this is the most dreadful idea I've ever seen. Everyone else has already seen this dreadful idea. Independence Day may as well have been called the Air Force versus Aliens. Yeah. I was looking for, oh man, they've changed the Air Force to Cowboys. No, it changed it all. That was Will Smith, right? Yes. If they'd put Will Smith in this, this would have been called Wild Wild West. Now, <laughs> if it had giant robotic spiders, would you have been happy with it? That's more trashy. But Wild Wild West didn't come out trashy. It came out more like burlesque and fucking theatrical. And mm. That spider was out of place. It might, could be. It fails because I went in thinking top 10 and I came out going, maybe I'll give it like 7 out of 10 if I gave shit like that stars but I was looking for nine I was almost pleasantly surprised then because I went in with nothing I think I even mocked you before we went in I was holding true to the end still haven't seen that many trailers I was like this is going to be great John Favreau is 
gonna fucking go nuts on this. John Favreau held way back. I thought. My second point was miscasting. I thought Daniel Craig with an American accent trying his hardest not to talk, whether that was to hide an accent or what, I don't know, wasn't interesting as a lead man. I didn't give a shit what happened to him. Mm. Harrison Ford playing Gruff Man was interesting for 10 seconds when his cow got blown in half and he was torturing a cow head. Drawing. Drawing, quartering it, but he hadn't drawing, quartered him. Quartering. Drawing and quartering. He was just drawing that guy between <laughs> two houses. Horses. Horses. Nice, yes. The first time we saw him, I was like, ooh, this is a Harrison Ford I hadn't seen before. But pretty quick, he's just a cowboy and he's putting on a gruff voice. Do you remember when they went and met up with his old gang? Yep. And he's like, right, I'm taking over again. Yeah. I'm back, motherfuckers. And one guy stepped forward and is like, no, you're not. I'm the new boss. British guy. He should have been Harrison Ford. He was a way better character, way better actor for this role. Can't believe he wasn't in it very much. Go he on. should have been Harrison Ford's character. He was bad guy leader. Did you like Harrison Ford in it? No. I'm very bad because my voice is like this. The sun annoyed me. Daniel Craig somewhat annoyed me. That girl annoyed me. The Indians annoyed me. The preacher with the gun and doing me. Who plays the preacher? The head jailer from Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Uh, Jean. She said the preacher from Carnival. The little boy and the dog annoyed me. Wow. You had a lot of annoyances. Paul Dano from you keep calling him Daniel Plainview. Just Plainview, <laughs> yeah. I know his name. I forget what his name is in that. But yeah, the guy from Little Miss Sunshine, There Will Be Blood, Meek's Cutoff. That guy. Paul Dano. Yeah. I've never seen him like that. I started to think he couldn't act. This proved me wrong. He actually put on a performance. You reckon? He was Weasley he was an asshole. In all the other ones, he's just been a weak, soppy, fucking wet rag. I thought he was a bit of a weak, wet rag of a son, though. Wasn't he? he became that. Yeah. But he started off that whole bit with him at the start before Daniel Craig started wailing on. Yeah. <laughs> and knee to the crotch always goes down. Let's jump to Rockwell. Oh, and what he was doing in there. What a fucking waste. If anyone's ever seen Moon or Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, even like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy or Matchstick Men, anything Sam Rockwell's been huge and theatrical in. I forgot he, he was Zephyr Beeble Brooks. <laughs> like that? I can't compete with that. Anyone who's seen him be big and theatrical knows what he's capable of. However, he kind of has a niche for himself. He's the big guy. He was so fucking wrong in this role. Would you call it miscast or underused? Whatever it was, he had the sulky, whiny, I miss my wife, I'm going to sit at the back and do nothing, I'm going to have no funny lines. Waste of casting, if you ask me. Yeah, absolutely. What was the decision to have him there? Paul Dano could have been that role. Yeah. Wingy little bitch. And they could yeah. have made Rockwell a lieutenant or something, who had good lines or something. He either had to be one of the two mains, or not in it, pretty much. Yeah, it fell short. So you're pretty much over it. There was fucking CGI hummingbirds, and story arcs were getting tied up. Oh, that knife, he gave him now oh he wins with the he wasn't friends with the indian and now he is and i'm glad all this is being tied up nicely before we finish that's my point exactly why they have storylines plucked it right out of coolness it was meant to be cool that's what i was looking for i wanted cool i wanted style i wanted it wasn't dreadful i didn't think it was terrible at all actually i thought it was gonna be trash and was disappointed it was actually kind of cool i still gave a seven out of cowboy 10. action yeah fuck it let's talk about a good film we're into some good old russian cinema can't get enough of that russian cinema how i ended the summer You've seen it before, right? The festival a year ago. Yeah, yeah. It irked me at the time because it had set itself up so well. It's a couple of dudes studying readouts in a distant, remote Arctic base. They're the only people on this big, icy fucking island, and they just have to wake up every three or four hours, check some results, and radio them in. I can feel it. I don't know if you call them scientists or researchers or whatever. One's an old, surly motherfucker. Always says the whole name.
name, Sergei Vitaliovich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even in person, not just on the radio protocol, but to his face. Yeah. The others, a young kid who just can't turn his Walkman off, loves playing video games, and it's a clash of those two, and things get heightened into some action. Now, all of this, I'm thoroughly recommending. Cinematography's great. Cinematography was fucking awesome. Sound is incredible. The Sets characters were, were brilliant. Everything about it was absolutely brilliant. What irked me... At the time, or this time? At the time, was the decisions that were made, and the places the story went, the way it got heightened. The decisions by him. The characters' decisions, yeah. Yeah, they both reacted in ways that I was just like, really? It nearly did last year, but it didn't rocket to my top because of these. Now, 18 months later, it's appeared back in the cinemas. Nice. Rialto down Newmarket. What are your thoughts? I fucking loved it. You fucking loved it. I fucking loved it. It was so slow and beautiful at the start. Then it got so intriguing and confusing in the middle. I blame the young kid entirely. And then it got sort of, not action-y, but action for a fucking slow film. And then awesome and the ending was what you'd want. <laughs> I fucking loved this film, man. It was the biz. I think I was more excited this time, actually. For over an hour, I had zero issue with it. In fact, I was gushing. Yep. Did you have an issue with the decisions, yes. the characters? characters were making Only did you want to jump in there and shake them communicate just tell them just tell them leave it pass it leave it lying around we're not going to spoil or... what exactly happened but one character could have told the other character something and so much of this could have been avoided he chose not to because he was scared that things might ramp up so he didn't tell him and things ramped up regardless just and things got ridiculous. There was fucking polar bears and helicopters. Yeah, but, and But that was the best part about it. When you got into the, oh my God, I can't believe all this is happening. They threw it all on. There were whiteouts with flares. Like, he'll be fine here. Then there's like, there's a polar bear. Oh, he's running. And I'll admit, I was like, softy, what's he running for? It's fucking miles away. He's got a gun. Then he like stops to turn around. He can't see it. I'm like, ah, oh, see, it's gone away. And it comes over that hill. You didn't even realize that was a hill. We could do a top five scenes from how I ended the summer. Because motherfucker, there were so many good scenes. This was so worth it. What about that shot when Sergei's eating the fish and he looks out the window straight into the camera and his yep. face is all warped with the glass. And he stares at the camera for ages and he just does it like a, then you come. <laughs> when Sergei first calls in after he's back from fishing, it was beautifully set up. So the screen was divided exactly in half. You had glass bookshelf, the bookshelf's forward. Yep. Sergei reflected in the bookshelf so you could see him on his thing just from the reflection. And Pasha was sneaking around like getting his jacket going, I'm fucking out here. Any second now, he's going to find out. And go nuts. I'm out of here. Pasha's moving back and forth. He's moving behind here and out of screen. What a shot. Listen to me. Giddy like a fucking schoolgirl. Set up and explained beautifully. You always knew exactly what was going on, but without much exposition, you know? Yeah, yeah. To set up that thing at the start with a little Geiger counter. How much did you love that instrument? That was like the little glass globe. Yeah. Workers working. He just try and put one finger back there and see if he can slide it in like that. <laughs> Why am I interested in that? That was so cool. I was trying to memorize the name of it. Heliogram. The Heliogram. Nice. We'll have to wiki that shit in a minute. I was intrigued by that Things do come in again, which is why it annoyed me when those ladies came in like 10 minutes late. All the way down, all the way across, and all the way back, and into their seats. Yeah. yeah. You've actually missed a thing that's crucial, and is going to come back later, and you're not going to understand it. When that scene came back in, it didn't bother explaining it. The movie thought, these people aren't idiots. They saw the first five minutes. They know exactly what this means. Those poor ladies. Fuck them, fuck them, no sympathy, fuck them. This was tops, man. Nothing but praise, huh? Oh, holy shit, it was a good film. I think my quibbles are mainly personal. I wanted to shake that guy. I had trouble because I wanted to sit those two down. It's a two-man film. Yeah, the whole time. It's two guys stuck on 
on an island and they don't communicate. It just creates so much tension and atmosphere. But sometimes I got too tense, I got aggravated. So it worked too well for you. Your only complaint was it's too good. Yeah, people need to see this. People need to rush to it. We just totally lost our place because we just had a massive meal. What was that, Corey? Pears and shit. Pork, parsnip and pears. I always aim for alliteration on my dinners. <laughs> I do apologise, we've completely forgotten where we're up to. We loved the dinner and as we loved much the movie. as we loved how I ended this summer. It was fucking incredible. Polar bears and flares and the mist and there was two guys going head to head. Two man driller, Russia, awesome. You should go see it. And that one's still playing at Rialto. Uh, Cowboys and Aliens are still playing fucking everywhere. Any multiplex, Hoyts, event, whatever it be, they're still playing as well. We recommend Cowboys and Aliens? Didn't sound like we did. Well, no, I'd, I'd go see it if there was. We definitely focused more on the negative it's certainly not bad but don't miss an opportunity to see how i ended the summer if you can get to rialto watch that cowboys and aliens isn't the trash you're hoping for if you don't care about the trash you just want to watch something that's entertaining for two hours i think it really was also on is the tree of life Corey. it's coming out this week i caught the trailer first time ever haven't heard a thing about it man it looks malik <laughs> Now when you say Malik, it's not like, oh, that guy doing his thing again. He's made five films in the past 38 years. Yeah, he's rushing in there. Badlands, Days of Heaven, Thin Red Line, and The New World. Now I've only seen one of those. I've seen them all. I liked the first two. No, you liked The Thin Red Line, didn't you? That was alright. No. Beautiful. But this is The Tree of Life, and this is about, uh, there's two stories. Present day Sean Penn remembers back to his childhood in Texas during the 50s, where mum and dad, who's played by Brad Pitt, and Jessica Chastain, who was the the chick off take shelter deal with losing the other kid his brother dies plus the other story is the universe is created don't forget about the universe <laughs> because the thing is Texas in the 50s wouldn't have happened without the universe starting yeah. so it's an integral part of the story exactly got booze at its can premiere and then one. <laughs> There's been cinemas overseas giving out little leaflets saying, Brace yourself, art house film. If you get weirded out and just want to leave, you don't get your money back. <laughs> the narrative's fucked. It's a Terrence Malick film. Do some Googling before you pay. I like that warning, but I'll go and see it. Probably the second biggest one this week is The Guard, which is starting at Rialto, an event possibly, I think. I'm going to be very tentative because last week I announced Mr. Nice was starting at Rialto and it got whipped out yeah. at the last second and I look like a dick. They dicked you. So I think Guard is starting. We went to a premiere, so I'm pretty sure it is starting. It's a black comedy about a brash, racist, hard-living Irish cop who speaks his mind at all times, having to deal with some local murderers as well as FBI agent Don Cheadle. Did we talk about this at the end of podcast? Couldn't done. I really enjoyed it. I did enjoy it, even though the audience tried their hardest to make me hate them. It was good. It was pretty refreshing, actually. If you don't know Brendan Gleeson, he's from Imbruge. Uh, was it his star-making turn? Oh, I think he'd been a little secret star before then, but yeah. Frank in 28 Days Later too. Yeah, I really yeah. liked him in that. And Don Cheadle. Everyone knows Don Cheadle. Also, Mark Strong was chucked in as just not the bad guy, for a change, as one of the bad guys. He was like a henchman. Yeah, he was. And With he was witty great. lines, yeah. I do love me some Mark Strong. Yeah, and his ball. Absolutely. Another one I'll chuck in is El Violin. Now this isn't his first week. It actually came out last week, but I fucked up and forgot to mention it. It's a Mexican film from 2005 about an unnamed Latin American government fighting rebels. Is this Film Society? What are we doing with a six-year-old This is film? just coming out. Academy got a print. So they make it 05, it won Khan 06, and then five years later, Academy's like, oh, we should screen that. Mm. They're getting around to their 06 Khan winner page. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's only in certain regard, it can't. It's like a third. That's close enough. Fighting rebels, torture, rape, assault, murder. Grandpa goes through the checkpoint every day and he gives daily music lessons to the officers, but he's actually sneaking ammo through in his violin case. I don't know, it sounds incredible to me. It does sound awesome. It sounds wonderful. Third tiny write off's just about enough. However, it's playing at Academy only and it's not playing on Cheap Tuesdays. So if you want to go see it, you got to pay 16 bucks. Those fuckers. Tell me how to. Be prepared for that. I could cave one day, maybe. One I'll chuck in for me is Crazy Stupid Love. Not only does it have a comma in the middle of its name, but it also ends in a full stop. Period. It's like Snatch and Adaptation and just sometimes you'll get films that just have a period. No reason. Just, yeah, just showing off. Now this is Ryan Gosling through Lars and the Real Girl. Yep. Half Nelson, everyone loves, especially this flat. Blue Valentine, we loved. He's coming up in Drive. He's in George Clooney's new one. George Clooney wrote, directed, and his lead acting in Ides of March. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's got Marissa Tomei, who's also in Ides March. She was in uh, Cyrus in The Wrestler. She blew me away twice in a row, that girl. I ignored her all of the 80s and 90s, and then The Wrestler and Cyrus totally caught me. Julia Moore, who we love as Maud Lebowski. Kids are alright, children are men. Yep, yep, yep. She took over as Clarice Starling. In she Hannibal. did, yes, I saw that. Kevin Bacon. Who we know does these films just to stay connected. Yep, this is a whole list of people. Steve Carell, he's connected to everyone in all those comedies by now. One. <laughs> Maybe thought to yourself, how the hell would Kevin Bacon ever connect to Seth Rogen? You can go, well, through Steve Carell. You know, because he was in Crazy Stupid Love. <laughs> oh, Crazy Stupid Love. Point. <laughs> Emma Stone, who I love as Wichita from Zombieland. She was Jonah Hill's Crush Jewels and bad and she's Gwen Stacy in the new upcoming Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing cast. Unfortunately in the head it has Steve Carell who I can really take or leave him. He's often terrible as an I Love Lamp. I'm not a big fan of I Love Lamp. He's good in the office. Mm-hmm. A role built around him nearly. I like 40 year old version. Dan in real life. I didn't see that. I like that. Little Miss Sunshine. He's done a bit of this bit of that. So yeah I'm keen on that. I imagine I'll be seeing it by myself. Yes. But what I really want to talk about what I've noticed in the last couple of months, every week there's a new 3D film coming out. This week, there's two good 3D films out in the same week. 2D 3D close to the edge. I've heard it's fucking incredible. A 3D motorbike racing doco on this crazy circuit. But he took like fucking 90 hours footage and cut it down to 90 minutes or something. It's the biz. It's the shiz. It's the shizman is. Because there's more and more 3D coming out, like at the moment, you can go into your theatre, you can watch Transformers, Captain America, Harry Potter, Kung Fu Panda. There's even Glee the concert's on at the moment yikes there's so much 3D on at the moment and every week there's a new 3D offering but when you hit stuff like TT 3D now TT is Tourist Trophy it's called that's the name of the race around the Isle of Man it's a 100th year anniversary this year yep. and there's been over 240 deaths in the races on that mountain seeing that in 3D and apparently one of the dudes die you don't see it but one of the dudes actually dies and then like in the last half of the documentary they can't interview him anymore because he's dead so his widow takes over this is how serious yeah now you got your 3d goggles on bikes was passed isn't that the best fucking use of 3d you can possibly imagine we had a conversation the other week a week or two ago where captain america turned you around we'd seen a couple of half-assed offerings we'd seen uh, the green hornet which i think was actually really lame no offense because i love michelle gondry i love seth rogan i love christoph waltz yeah it really wasn't worth it i've seen ones before I really enjoyed Jackass. I thought that was a good use of the 3D. I saw My Bloody Valentine. I thought horror was a good use of 3D. Anyway, don't you reckon motorcycle racing 
Isn't that the perfect fucking thing? Yeah, they finally got it sorted. They realise that it's not about putting gimmicks on kids' movies and having ghosts fly your face. Mm. Use it properly. Use it to show foreground, midground, action ground, stuff like that. They're going to use it for all backs games, apparently. They're going to be 3D games available. Is that right? Like at the cinemas and stuff like that, you can go and watch the finals, quarterfinals. They're doing four of them. 3D's coming, bro. It's coming. Your stats prove it. There's one a week. This is a new thing. Now it's down to just categorising them as shit films. We've got to stop saying films we see that the 3D's good. We're going to start saying like, oh, we saw our Final Destination 5 3 3D. The film itself, that was pretty average, but they fucked up the 3D. We're going to start pointing out when they don't do it right. I've seen ones where I didn't mind the film so much. 3D was a waste of time. I could have seen the 2D version. Yeah. There has been a lot in 3D that I have gone and seen just to see 3D. It's wearing off. I'm starting to not do that. Yeah. It's like I got into it too early before they perfected it. See, I think horror is a perfect genre where 3D is going to be a big asset. I went and saw My Bloody Valentine probably three years ago now when that came out. And it was pretty good. But we got Fright Night and Shark Knight both coming out. Fright Night is Colin Farrell with a fucking axe or something. I'll yeah. go and watch Colin Farrell with an axe in 3D. Shark Knight sounds like an even... What the hell is that? Dudes trapped underwater with sharks attacking them. Oh, nice. In 3D. No, I'll go to that. And Final Destination 5. Now, I'll admit, I'd missed number 1, 3, and 4. I've only seen number 2 because Ant bought it here. And rightly so. Number 2 was an amazing film full of the most inventive kills you've ever seen. I've never heard that about the other three, so I'm assuming that that's not the case it was just a fluke number two was awesome number five is in 3d 3d might really benefit the genre there's some more concerts coming up kylie's out this week kylie 3d yeah aphrodite we're not mentioning that on this pod no way next mayday 3dna they've got this new film about this 3dna yeah i think that it's a taiwanese band called dna they put themselves in a movie it's three short stories about this band saving the day and it's called mayday 3dna that's clever is it no it's a clever title I'm not going to go see it, but if I was into this Malaysian band, yeah, maybe. Taiwanese. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> there's a new Jet Li. He swore off martial arts, period. Yeah, he did. He's going to make. Yeah, well, there's a new one coming out next month called The Sorcerer and the White Snake. Now, Wiki says it's 3D. Our websites don't say that yet, so I don't know whether we're getting the 3D version, but I thought I'd bring it up now. Like, we might get a new 3D Jet Li film. If we do... <laughs> That's a perfect excuse to go and watch 3D. Fists and fucking feet flying at you, I mean... That'd be a good benchmark test as well, if they can handle fast. Yeah. Because fast. I and mean, then there's some bullshit coming up. Lion King's been redone. Now, remix ones, I'm not so sure about taking an old movie and 3Ding it. I'm not sure that works. Smurfs yeah. has come out, I missed that. But anyway, there's a lot of 3D, bro. Every week, there's at least one 3D film coming out. We're going to have to start getting used to that price tag, I think. I suppose if it was a battle of me and you versus James Cameron and Steven Spielberg, it looks like they're going to win. <laughs> Quite possibly, 3D will be the way to go. So far from closer to the edge about the Isle of Man tourist trophy race, which is 3D motorbikes in your fucking face. Tourist trophy death race. There's also Priest 3D coming out this week. This is a sci-fi thriller set in an alternate post-apocalyptic world yep. where a priest who swore a fighting after the vampire wars breaks his vows and takes a team after his niece who gets kidnapped by vampires. How fucking cool does that sound? Yeah, yeah. This is going to be enjoyable trash. What I didn't get from Cowboys and Aliens I'm going to get from Priest 3D I'd compare this to whatever that latest Miller Jovovich thing you two went to yeah exactly Resident Evil yeah this is like Resident Evil 5 3D this is Resident Evil with a slightly better cast maybe Paul Bettany who I like from Dogville most people might know from the Albino Monk from Da Vinci Code I think most people know him from the voice of Tony Stark's computer <laughs> 
Carl Urban, who's the gay guy from Shortland Street. <laughs> he was in Lord of the Rings. He had a big fight with Matt Damon in Born Identity. Yeah, didn't he also have a big fight with Bruce Willis and Red? He yeah. did. Well done. I saw first half. Yeah. Turned it off and discussed. He's Bones in the that newest Shrek, yeah. and he's Judge Red in the new Judge Red coming out early next year. Thank God that needed a reimagining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go see that. That looks fucking. So awesome. it's got Maggie Q from Die Hard Four and MI3. Brad Dorif, Wormtongue from Lord of the Rings. Yep. Uh, Christopher Plummer, who makes Christopher Plummer, isn't he? Yeah. So this week there's 3D trash plus 3D motorbike awesome. It's opposite ends of the spectrum. 3D now, Docker and 3D Vampire Priest War. Neither of those I would watch in 2D. I honestly wouldn't bother. No, you're right. That's a good call. I've seen Senna recently and I was like, oh, I might be proven wrong. Boy, did tears. Boy, I'm going to see TT3D close to the edge. One or two more shout outs. Film Society this week is called McLuhan's Wake. It's about Marshall McLuhan, who was apparently the hippest intellectual in the 50s and 60s. He was a dude that came up with the term Global Village and he was studying advertising he decided that was a, like a legitimate thing for kids to study it's narrated by Laurie Anderson because they are all those hip fucking Laurie Anderson's fucking awesome everybody you're a Laurie Anderson fan hell yes sing us a song let x equal x there you go he had some very strong ideas about the media and information, so I'm pretty amped about that. It's Monday the 29th of August, 6.30, Academy Cinema, under the Auckland Library on Lawn Street. 30 bucks for three films. That's pretty cheap. The other thing I want to mention is the brochure for the Italian Film Fest is out. Now, we've just had the International Film Fest, then the Hong Kong Film Fest. The Italian one's nearly upon us, although it's still five weeks away, September 28th. And rather than just doing it over a weekend, I've spread it over three weeks, which is pretty cool. I haven't read the brochure yet, to be honest, but look forward to that. I noticed they always chuck in a classic. This year is The Bicycle Thieves, which you own on DVD, if I'm not mistaken. Just quietly, actually, no, it's my sister's. I stole it off her years and years ago and promised to watch it. Maybe like six, seven years. Haven't watched it yet. Sorry, Bex. I'm sure it's good. I'll watch it one day. Maybe the Italian Film Fest. <laughs> and eventually give you DVD back. If Pretty you're going to watch so. something like a 1950s Italian movie like The Bicycle Thieves, why not on the big screen? Yeah, exactly. Sorry, Bex. Well, we're done here, but if you keep listening, I'll tack on our discussion about Martha Marcy Marlene for you. Uh, we recorded a shit ton of thoughts over the film fest period that I didn't edit in time because I'm dreadful at my job. So we'll just chuck one or two of them on after each episode for the next few weeks or whatever. You can't check them out at the film fest anymore, sure, but you can look for them later on. Some of them may get a general release at Rialto or even a multiplex. I see that Cave of Forgotten Dreams 3D is making a comeback to event, which is fan-fucking-tastic because it's sold out during the fest and we missed it. Plus, there could be DVD, Blu-ray releases or some shit. So we're out of here, but join us next week when I think we'll chat about that French Middle East mystery thing in Cindy's. But enjoy Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene in the meantime. 85,000 G. Hey, we just got back from Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. Me and Nigel here in the V-Dub. Yeah, rocking it hard for big screen Auckland. It's been another full day. I saw Knuckle first, which is pretty fucking cool. Bare Knuckle Boxing Doco. And then we saw the Giants, which uh, we've decided not to. We're not going to regale you on our thoughts about the Giants. Needless to say, it's not the top of my list or anywhere near it. Our friend Petrina saw it as well. And if she starts a pod, she can... Uh, she can cover it. Yeah, she loved it. Somebody take those kids and give them a thrashing. We did see <laughs> Martha Marcy May Marlene Starring I know his name's not Teardrop John Hawks And the Olsen's little sister Elizabeth Elizabeth Olsen That's the one Every image I see of the Olsen twins Is that they're waif looking heroine chicks This girl was all proportioned And like she looked normal And she could act She's got a big future ahead of her The Olsen <laughs> twin I don't know which one it was I don't think it matters The one that was in the whackness Was pretty good And she looked very healthy And stuff But still very petite There was an Olsen in the whackness Yeah They made out with Sabine Kingsley In that phone book 
booth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We digress. Yeah, this is a better Olsen film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, nothing wrong with the wackness. Fucking, but compared to Martha Macy, May Marlene, oh my God. Pick of the fest so far. Easily. <laughs> Easily number one. It's stomped on 13 Assassins. Everything else I've said is number one. By the wayside, compared to Martha Macy, May Marlene. Give us the gist of it, bro. Elizabeth Olsen has been living in a little weird commune for a couple of years, and she escapes and tries to live normal life, but her ways are now a bit abstract. It's as if she's been somewhat brainwashed and has forgotten how things... Well, no, she's been brainwashed. What I liked about this film was it starts on the commune, but we only get the very briefest of introductions, like she's in a commune, the guys all eat before the girls and shit, and then she runs away from it, and someone comes and picks her up from her old life, and she goes and stays with them. And then we get scenes of new life intercut with the commune, and that's how that reveals what went down in the commune. That's where we get all the information from in flashback, and her memory. And as if she can't really tell what's a memory or not, she's having these flashbacks and stuff like that. Seamless integration between the two. Beautifully done. Always great cuts, and it's like five minutes in now, five minutes two years ago, five minutes now, five minutes two years ago. But every time it jumped, you're like, oh, I like the way they did that, and that was neat. And the flashbacks were in chronological order as well. Yeah. So it actually starts in real life at the commune, and that continues the whole way through, and then it flashes back two years ago, and by the end of the film, it's caught us up to halfway sort of thing. It's caught us up to real life. It's really cool, because if you think you were going to make a tale about her and the commune life, it might be possibly a bit dull or a bit odd. And if you were making a film about her readjusting to normal life... Same sort of thing. Yeah, but you might have trouble explaining exactly what happened on the commune. This is perfect. Tell both stories at the same time. Fucking masterfully done. She's at her sister's house on the lake and decides to go for a swim in the real world. Caught up in fresh time, whatever you call it. Mm. Like, she's like, cool, let's go for a swim and just strips down stark naked and jumps in. And her sister has to, like, put some clothes on. What the hell's wrong with you? And she just doesn't realise. Like, that's what I mean by brainwashing. She doesn't realise that that's wrong anymore. Or, like, one stage, she uh, goes and jumps in her sister's bed for a nap while her sister and her husband are in there fucking. She just jumps in beside them and says, it's a big bed, you're on the other side. Yeah, what are you worried about? She just doesn't get real life anymore. And she has these comments about, why do you guys have such a big house? Well, who else lives here and stuff like that? Because they all used to share a big room at the commune and she doesn't quite understand positions and things like that, I think, either. It is impressive to see her being brainwashed and I suppose it's all because of the charismaticness of Teardrop. What's his name again? (laughs) John Hawks, Soul Star, Dustin Powers from Eastbound and Down. That guy, me and you and everyone we know. That wiry, fucking veiny motherfucker. Yep, man, to have him run your commune, he was the perfect guy for it. When he did his speeches and stuff, telling them, like, you know, death is love and stuff, you really believed him as a preacher who believes in what he's saying. Yeah, actually, one stage, there's one of the other guys there who he doesn't like. I mean, it's like a three-to-one ratio of guys to girls at this commune, and they're all sort of building a farm and, and doing that sort of stuff. There is a scene in the woods where they're practicing firing a gun, and he sort of talks down to one of the other guys by saying, like, oh, Alex, he's only here to play with the women. He's not part of the... You. He's a freeloader. Yeah, he's a freeloader that's here for the girls. This guy really believed in it, but part of commune life is like the leader gets to have sex with all the girls and stuff like that. He set itself up nicely. Yeah, it was a nice look into a commune. And why commune slash girls... cult, I suppose. Yeah. They weren't just living um, in the woods growing vegetables. There's a little bit more to it than that. He was actually actively brainwashing them and stuff like that. It wasn't a religious thing, but they were trying to be a self-sufficient farm. Yeah. However, his beliefs and rules were so twisted that, yeah, I suppose you could call it a cult. Yeah, it's like, oh, we'll all find a job for you. Do you know how to knit? No? Oh, we'll find something for you. You'll find your role. And then it shows really well where she's brought in and then she is, you know, drugged for the first time and stuff like that and she's being shown around and then later on she's obviously been there a year or so and she's doing the induction for another girl and it's sort of perpetuating the cycle. And that was a good way to see it exactly, you know, because it explained how she got into it a lot more by showing her doing the rest of it, you know? Yeah. Fucking powerful though. And incredible. Yeah, yeah, really, really great film. It had a lot to offer that I'd never seen before and it made it really 
really believable. Like, it wasn't just a zany cult. It wasn't ridiculous. They weren't drinking Kool-Aid and shit. But it did get quite confusing. First, the jumping back and forth was not hard to keep up with, but it kept things interesting. But also then, once she was free, she started thinking things were happening, you know, and they were explained away as, like, no, that guy's the bartender we hired, or pine cones on the roof, or... There was some unexplained stuff in it, which was I think it? was really good. Yeah, because she was very nervous at the very start. She's like, where are we? Where are we from the other place? Like, she didn't even know where she was when she was collected mm. after she makes a break right at the start. And it's, this is, like, three hours, and, like, a flash is across the girl's face when she says it, almost as if that's not far enough. I sort of got a hint of that. Yeah. Like, she didn't want to hear three hours. She wanted to hear, we're on the other side of the States. Yeah. Fuck, it was good. And you don't know what's wrong with them in the commune that goes on and it reveals a little bit more about them, and you see why she ran away. And then it leaves it beautifully done at the end there. The sister's trying to help. The sister's husband is frustrated. You can't tell whether she's right in the head or not. And as I say, pick of the fist. This shit was money. It looked great. It was edited really well. The order it told things in. I really liked the sound. There was a lot of that buzzing and just noise clattering in the background just to heighten the that one stage when she freaks out at the dinner party and then they give her the pills and the drink and all the sound cuts out. That was good. That's her madness coming down or whatever. And speaking of sound, John Hawks plays us a song in the middle. <laughs> Again, just showing his ability to be a cult leader. He's like, and this song's for the new girl and he plays this fucking beautiful melody and it shows it nicely compared to the other guys who are bashing away in the guitars like fucking amateurs <laughs> singing do-da-dee-da and he's like clearly a, a bit of a what makes you flip and fucking want to run a cult like that? What the hell's wrong with him? <laughs> I really enjoyed that cult life. It does show all the girls have to prepare the meal but it shows the abuse of power like not only are these girls pretty much being used for sex in some ways but like also to do all the cooking and stuff like that while the guys are off half-heartedly making a farm but like he wakes them all up by banging pots and pans he walks into the room banging two pots together everybody up and he just sort of throws the pots in the corner of the room and storms out it's like just unnecessarily being in command being in charge but it's great because the other girls love it when she sees John Hawks snogging some girl they'll go just don't mind your beeswax I have some fucking respect like he's the boss and when he first rapes her I suppose they're just like man I wish it was my first time again what a magical day you should enjoy this this is such a special yeah these girls are totally into their cult life I suppose yeah and the thing is with that rape scene we see it twice we see it from her point of view and then we see it again when she's got a lot more of a role to play and we see how the first one came about mm. because of getting more information now that she's a bit higher up in the hierarchy Ew, everything about it was fucking perfect we've pretty much just ruined the entire thing hey man they got a spoiler warning we haven't we haven't oh yeah now we have enjoy it see it rent it watch it download it whatever it's got to be John Hawks movies get picked up Thank you.